And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, is my, this, was, this, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called on one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we just open up the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart to, to, to see and hear you through this text this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you take a seat? Why don't we just give a big round of applause for Sam as he gets ready. Thanks, team. Kia ora How are we going? Well, thank you. <laughs> Someone's here. <laughs> Um, so if we can just go on to the next slide, Johnny. Oh, we've got the clicker. I've got the clicker. Don't worry, Johnny, I've got it. We're good. <laughs> uh, slightly smaller screen, something happened. I think that was Michael Doody's fault. <laughs> oh, we'll get through here. Um, so this is my old school, uh, Marfell Community School up in New Plymouth, Taranaki, where I came from. Um, uh, I just came back at the time of uh, writing this, actually. It was at the start of... Holidays. I just come back from a, a re reunion, uh, the area of New Plymouth that the school is in is actually a bit of a broken one. Uh, and God had spoken to me and said, "Give up your job." And I had quite a nice first job. It was like a plushy. Uh, <laughs> I 
uh, Highlands Intermediate up in New Plymouth, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, and God said, give up that job, go here, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's going to be intense, uh, but when, when I got there, actually, I knew that God had a plan for me in the area, and I put everything into it, too much, and I think after studying the, the parable of the prodigal, prodigal son, I understand why. Uh, here's a small, I'm just going to give you a small snapshot of things I would get up to like on a normal day. I'd say, I'd get to school on a Sunday afternoon after church and I'd spend the next four hours there probably planning out some brilliant routines, brilliant teaching routines. Uh, <laughs> send email out to staff. Um, and then Hannah and I had just done Sunday school, so we did that for a couple of years. I'm sorry, Hannah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> we had a chat about making sure we keep mum about that <laughs> for a bit. Um, we did that uh, week on, week off uh, for yeah, a, long, a, a while. It's in term four and one, we'd be running the cricket team, which is why their cricket, cricket's a little bit of a passion of mine. It's, it's my fun. <laughs> Come on, Nick. <laughs> Only reason why I'm up here speaking, actually. <laughs> it's like, you like cricket? Do you want to speak? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> no, there's more to it than that, just so you know. <laughs> um, so uh, we'd, we'd go out there, and it was, it was a bit, um, <laughs> bit, bit puppy. We'd go out with the lawnmower and mow and, and mower stripped down, and we'd stamp down all the bits that were sticking out. We'd pull out some weeds, and it wasn't a great cricket pitch. There was a lot of turn involved. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we'd do that. And morning teas and lunch times, we'd be out playing. We had some interesting characters, so we played horseback, bull rush, infection tag, rugby, soccer, and of course cricket, bare feet, one pad, full leather ball, <laughs> coming in, at the, I probably couldn't do that at my current school, <laughs> some, some people would be having some words to me. Running school uh, events, and I was in charge of behaviour management, I would take students after cricket to the beach schools, and I was like, God, this is awesome, this is your work, I know I'm here. This is great, um, giving them opportunities, uh, and then it crashed. <laughs> I went to ED, turned away, went home, thinking, okay, I just need to do school in the morning, because you, you can get into a frame of mind, especially, and, and then I just thought, oh, I just got to give it all. I just got to keep turning up. So I went home, and then I woke up, still wasn't great, went back into to ED. Nurse took my pulse, she said, you're at 200. <laughs> with your heart rate, uh, and then I kind of fell over just after that. I had sepsis, lots of different things kind of kicking off. And I remember I was stuck in the hospital for like a week, and, and they said, just, just, we're going to see if we can, we'll get you through this. I made the mistake of Googling up what sepsis is and <laughs> stuff like, never Google what you've got. <laughs> just be like, yeah, it's good, right. <laughs> um, so, so I had a little look at that, and I was, I was, I was angry. I was like, God, you told me to go to this school. You told me to, to go hard. Why am I sitting here in a, in a hospital? I was like, what's the deal with this? I'm doing your good works. Don't you know that these kids need me? So why am I sitting here right now feeling pretty rubbish? Okay, so just, oh, that'll help. Uh, what's happening around this parable? So the Pharisees are grumbling. Uh, Jesus is walking around, uh, and he's got some tax collectors and sinners are present. The Pharisees are not happy with that. They're like, mm, excuse me, why are these people coming to our party? Um, Jesus has just told the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coins. So if you're aware of the messages in those stories, it's about Jesus going out and saving the ones. Whoops. 
saving um, the ones who are on the outskirts, the ones that have gone away. Again, Pharisees are not happy with that. Um, and Jesus has just come to save and seek the lost. Again, the sinners and the tax collectors. Now, the term Pharisee comes from the Hebrew and Aramaic purush or purushi, which means one who is separated, who is apart from all of this, all these sinners. They are not about the lost being found. What they are about uh, to be confronted with is Jesus redefining their perspective of God, the lost, and salvation. Um, so for me, this does remind me about our culture. The Pharisees are wrapped up in their own morality and preach that if you do not follow their morals, morals then they should be shunned. Can you kind of see in our culture, with, especially with online stuff, if people don't fill into a certain kind of perspective, and everyone's like, whoa, shun them. And we're becoming fast a shame kind of culture. It's an shame culture in which we are essentially becoming again. So, there go, that helped. Uh, so the son asked for his inheritance. Uh, there is some debate about how this would be perceived, but mostly it's seen as a massive insult to the family uh, and the family. I can only imagine as a Knox child going to my dad and saying, can I have half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go far away and I'm going to just indulge. <laughs> some parties, I'm going to head up to the bay down to Wellington. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, the father, and what this would have been expected in the culture, the father uh, could have just kicked him out. In fact, there's actually a ceremony in which he would have been kind of excommunicated or kicked out from the family. Um, and, he's, and the Pharisees are expecting this. In fact, it could actually come to, he could actually, uh, under the law of the land, send him away with curses and blows. To be a great father in that time, you would be dignified and have a lot of honor. To be insulted or asked such a question by a young, younger son who should actually, in those laws, uh, should only get one-third of the resources and either go to the, um, the elder son, would have been a mark of dishonor. But the father gives him his inheritance. Okay, there you go. Again, uh, this is uh, Jesus redefining God for the, amongst the Pharisees and the sinners. Now, we know the wages of sin are death, and when we have invested ourselves in our desires, it leads to ruin. So the son squanders everything and is put into a situation where he longs to fill his stomach with the pig feed in front of him. He's like, I've got nothing. Oh, just, I, oh, I need that. I need some substance. Uh, coincidentally, I think this would take about three weeks in our current cost of living crisis <laughs> from to squander it or maybe leave the AC on for a week. <laughs> Seems to do that for our power pool. Um, he knows he's blown his chance of being a son, so he practices his speech in which he's going to be asked back as a hired man. He's going back because he knows he shouldn't be accepted with the status of a son. He's like, I've blown that. I've done, I've done that. I've, I've, I've indulged in my sinful desires. I'm done. I can only come back as a hired man. And he practices the speech. Uh, coincidentally, part of my journey over the last year, and I've been loving sewing in as uh, Jess prayed beforehand about sewing in with uh, the Kōtemako young families uh, home group and some other people. I've been getting over my shame and saying to some close mates in here, "Hey, this is the stuff I'm dealing with. This is the stuff I'm working through, and just working through that that thing." 
And I think I just want to pause on shame. It's one of the things that can be the biggest block between us and what God has planned for us. So just bear that in mind. This is what the son's feeling. He's feeling that shame. Okay, so he's like, I'm going to go big to my father. I'm going to come back as a hired man. So he comes back. This is probably the, the, the crutch line of this whole parable. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. What an awesome revelation of God's character. So back then, fathers wouldn't run. That was undignified. They wouldn't show anything above their knees or something like that. He, it says in the, the verses, he picked up his robes ran out. He's countercultural in his acceptance of someone who's lost. The Pharisees would have expected God to reject the younger son. You've made your bed liner. Even in myself, I sometimes want to see punitive consequences. When I look around society, I'm like, yeah, punish him. <laughs> and I see some of that in, in myself as well. Like, uh, kind of the, the, that Pharisee, like, oh man, can people just get their just desserts? <laughs> it's not God's heart, though. Jesus re- redefines God's heart for the poor and the broken and those who have intentionally walked away. He says he would run from a long way away to accept, accept them and for them to know love. The fathers and those times would not be seen to be run. I've talked about this. They have long robes. Then again, they pick them up and sprint them towards them. How do you think the son felt knowing that his father was risking dishonor on himself to show the son that he was lost? After intentionally throwing away the inheritance, the gift that the father had given him. Oh, I don't deserve any of this yet. You're going to run towards me and embrace me. Despite the fact that you've given me this amazing gift, your inheritance, and I just squandered it down the road. We're on the AC. We are blessed to follow God and how good, how abundant is his grace for us and our failings. Um, the last worship night, youth worship night we had, a word came out from Tessa. I don't think Tessa's here today. I think you're right. <laughs> um, and it said, no matter how far away you feel, God accepts you and wants you in his, fa- in his fuddy. He is for you. And I think there's something about our youth, and I do want to speak to you now. There's something about our youth and children that have revelations. You've been having revelations of his grace, mercy, and love. And you actually have something that's different from society in a view of this is what God means to us. And this is what he means to others. And when you speak that over other people, it's so powerful. Um, so the young the son comes in, and the father gives him the best robe, which is a symbol of royalty in the house of God. He gives him a ring on his finger. So that's a commitment between God and man that there is no beginning and no end to God's love. That's where our, our wedding band's coming from. He gives him a ring. And he gives him sandals to show that he is a son. Not a servant, not a hired man. He says, I'm going to make this distinction for everyone to know you are my son. And he does a fan cuff. Again, they would not kill a fan cuff very often. 
back in the Ghost. He says, no, get the fan cuffed in order for the sin to be, for the sin to be forgiven. Because remember, back then they had to kill the fan cuffed or, or a sacrifice for the sin to be covered. So he says, no, 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 I've got you. I'm covering you in this so you're acceptable to me and to God. And the feast to celebrate the younger son returning from the dead. Once he was lost, but now he is found. Right, the older son. The acceptance and the love for the younger son is great. And the father has the same reaction for the older brother as well. And I think as I've been going through this, I kind of start to identify with the older brother a little bit. <laughs> the older son was in the field. He's, you know, he's, he's slaving away. He's good. He's a good worker. 10 to 12 hours a day. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but he comes back in and he's like, oh, what's all this noise? And, and the servants say to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. <laughs> Seven's like, woo, he's come back, the brother. Stone face, he's, he's not happy about that. Is that rubbish? <laughs> the older brother becomes angry and refused to go. And again, this would be a huge dishonor uh, for the older son not to partake in what would be a very rare occasion. So he's sinning in this. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're not accepting those people. Again, the Pharisees would kind of identify probably a lot with the older brother as well. Don't bring him back into our fold. Okay, um, and so he, he, he goes and he's like, no, I'm not coming in. He stumps, and I think his reaction we would understand a lot of the time. If you want to go and give your way to sinful desires, you need to make your bed, you lie in it. I'm so guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> but actually, that's again, that's not God's heart. And Jesus is redefining God's heart for the Pharisees. Um. And accepting the youngest son and giving the gifts, the father is taking away more inheritance. This is a point I didn't think about. <laughs> so the, all the rest of the inheritance should be the sons, right? Because he's already given that, that inheritance away to the youngest son, or half of it. And now he's giving more of his inheritance away. So the son's like, what the heck? That's my inheritance now. <laughs> so he's doing math in his head right now, and he's like, that's not fair. <laughs> I've put the mahi in, you've given them that guy, which I didn't agree with. But now you're giving more of my inheritance away. The oldest son has been slain for him and never disobeyed his orders. I've done all the good things, and I expect a return. He's never been given a goat, let alone a fan calved. Where are my good things for my good works? So what's Jesus doing in the parable? He's redefining three things for the Pharisees, the poor and the broken and for us. All these years later. God. In a world that is actively telling us what God is, he, we know that God is the Father that we should have. And I'm not sure of your histories of fathers and stuff like that. I'm, I'll be careful around that. But God is the Father that we should have. He is a God that will run great distances to greet us and accept us, even when we are not worthy and we feel not worthy. And we've squandered the inheritance. He will run great distances to come and greet us. He is a God that will give us free will and is willing to pick up the pieces. He loves us often before we know it and before we accept ourselves in that. The problem with our society's mantra of self-discovery 
go explore, <laughs> find yourself, is that we often do find ourselves <laughs> through the lenses of society. And that's a harsh lens. An honor-shame society that is increasingly little tolerance for any flaws. Think about how often people go back through Twitter or X <laughs> to, to get your gotcha on some people. In leadership, you will find this as well. If you're in leadership in a, in a company, at a school or something, you know, there's a, people enjoy the gotcha moments. God is acceptance in a way that our society can never understand. Another problem with self-discovery is that when we find ourselves without the lens that God has for us in our lives. I've done that. I think, oh, I know myself, I've got this. But I actually haven't looked at it through God's lens in my life and his purpose in my life. Then we turn to our addictions and our escapism, escapisms because that's sometimes easier to deal with than our own brokenness. So he redefines God. He redefines sin. The world sees sin as anything that is bad or anything that is not approved of by Christians. We know it when we see it. We confidently say. In the parable, parable God redefines the pride of our morality, our good works as a sin doing good works and saying, where's my reward? Where's my little something? If I'm honest, I'm a bit of the older brother and the younger brother. <laughs> Got both, both bases covered. <laughs> um, like the older brother, no, yet when I was sitting in the hospital, I was the older brother, outraged that my good works hadn't produced something good for me. Where's my good works? <laughs> I wanted some, some kind of reward, and yet I was sitting in the hospital. Religious people obey God to get things, like the older brother wanting recognition and pride and a place over his younger brother, prosperity due to his good works. It's the way of the world. God doesn't work like that, though. Followers obey and chase God to know him, to delight in him, and to be with him. In fact, if the root of our good works or rhythms are to be noticed and, and admired, Jesus is saying that's actually a sin when we get into that, that place. Let me pray. Often does God say in the Bible, you know, go, when you do your prayers, do it in a silent place. Do not let your other hand know what the other, what the other one is doing when you're giving. Store a treasure up for yourself in heaven, not here on earth. So I've been examining myself, and I want to delight in him and to be with him. Sorry, <laughs> losing my eyesight. <laughs> and I've been doing some rhythms so that I'll have an easy day. That's right. So I've been doing some rhythms, and I try to do the rhythms in the morning, and I catch up with, with the guys and talk about our rhythms and how we can do it well. But often I do my rhythm so that I can have an easy day or the kids won't get too sarcastic about the receding headline or whatever. <laughs> God, just one day. <laughs> but actually I came away and I, I, was just, I was kind of examining while I was doing my, my God times. 
<laughs> I don't know if anyone's done any teaching. I'm a teacher, year seven and eight, so they're not going to have a nice quiet day and not be sarcastic term four, <laughs> the back end. But why am I doing that? You know, I've, I've had some private messages about, uh, about myself doing a good job, but I know that's because I've been sitting with God, letting him do a work in me in turn. Instead of praying, God, give me an easy day. God, can you be with me today? He never, I feel my, that, that song that they go through, he never promised it would be easy, but he promised it would be peace. So I say, God, would you sit with me? Will my rhythms not be so I can have a nice cruisy day? <laughs> but would it be so that you can reveal your knowledge, reveal who you are, reveal who I am through your lens, not society's lens? I have a karakia prayer uh, um, time that sustains me as my response now in those hard moments. And when I do do my rhythms, would I just be practicing being with you and learning about you, God? In Jesus' name. Lastly, God redefines salvation. Christianity cannot divide the world into good and bad people, which is what the Pharisees were doing, which is what our society loves to do. This is the good person. This is the bad person. Don't hire that person. Oh, we found a bad thing about this person. Let's, let's try and dig in a little bit. We all need the love of the Father. We have to learn to repent our sins and the reasons we did our good things. We can't give in to our self-justification and our desire to control God. Sometimes it is a desire, this is what God is. <laughs> but if we fully release into actually I'm going to keep exploring who you are in my life, keep exploring who you are in the Bible, It's not our place to control God. It's important through our practices that we remind ourselves of the abundance of his grace. Being melted and moved by the cost that Jesus paid to bring us home. And the character of God, which is to forgive us when we are not worthy. Our righteousness comes from faith and not from our good works. Romans 3, 29 and 24, but now the righteousness, righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believed, believe. For there is no distinction, for all have thin, sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus For it is by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So today, what does this mean? How do we apply it? One, he accepts you. Maybe you haven't allowed yourself to dare to believe that our God is a God that wholly accepts you. Maybe you think he would meander out of the house to greet you. No, he would run. He would run to accept you. Has shame gotten in the way of you and God? He accepts you. 
Psalms 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you have a deadly goodness that you have to put down? I still have a deadly goodness I have to put down. My work quickly becomes my idol. (laughs) Quickly becomes, oh, yeah, I can do that. Examine ourselves and ask why we're doing the good things. Maybe it's become your version of God instead of God himself. I love the fact that here at Kurimaka we talk about good good habits and rhythms. That is awesome. Because I think we live in a world that wants us to forget or become distracted by how good our God is. It's countercultural. People will point out all the bad things from God, all the holes and things like that. But God's a God that's for us, not against us. But let's go slowly through our habits and our rhythms. It's a practice, not a performance. We're not earning anything, actually, sitting in those rhythms. We're just enjoying the love of God. And he is transforming us by our faith and not by our actions, by his grace. The Father's heart. Our Father's heart is so contrary to our culture in the midst of society's anger, self-exploration, giving into desires, and performing constantly. Would God give us the strength to be meek, to accept those who others find unacceptable, to have a heart for the hypocrites, to forgive that family, to love when society says that person deserves rejection. Let me finish on this quote from Timothy Keller. Traditional religion says, I give God a good moral record, so he has to bless me. The gospel says, God gives me a good moral record through Christ, so I want to bless him. Religion says, if I obey, then God will love and accept me. The gospel says, God loves and accepts me, therefore I want to obey. Cool. So that's, that's kind of me done, but if anything has struck a chord for you, if anything you're just like, oh, I, I just want his love, I want his acceptance, I want to get rid of my shame, I want to sit down on my knees and just pivot my heart towards you, God. If you want that, I'm sure then there's this space for us to come up and just receive prayer.